Happy spooky season, podcast listeners. I'm Molly from Conspiracy Theories. And I'm Carter. In honor of Halloween, we're inviting you to light a torch and descend into the tombs of ancient Egypt's most prolific figures. As Parcast brings you a network-wide event called The Mummy's Curse. We'll be dusting off cobwebs and cracking open the coffins on five different shows. From conspiracy theories and haunted places to unsolved murders, unexplained mysteries, and rituals. We're excited to bring you history's spookiest and most adventurous tales. Ever wonder what happened to Nefertiti's lost tomb? Curious about King Tut's mysterious life and death? Want to explore Cairo's most haunted mansion or crack open the Book of the Dead? We're going to make like a mummy and unravel it all. In this episode, we're exploring part two of the Curse of the Pharaohs. We'll investigate whether reopening King Tut's tomb really unleashed a deadly curse, or if the pharaohs unintentionally laid a trap for would-be marauders. Now, let's dive in. Waves battered a wooden ship as violent winds whipped its sails. The crew braced themselves against the mast, grabbing anything they could to avoid going over the side. Meanwhile, a priest on board prayed for safe passage from Egypt. It was the 17th century, and the boat had come all the way from Alexandria, Egypt, carrying travelers, merchants, and one man who traded in rare artifacts. As the clergyman closed his eyes and summoned the Lord's protection, he felt an unnatural chill swim through his chest. When he opened his eyes again, his face turned white with terror. While the crew members scrambled for footing, there, in the middle of the deck, stood two dark figures, calm and unmoving. They appeared to be a man and a woman, wrapped in strips of old, tattered white linen. The priest and crew came to realize who the figures were. The artifacts dealer had brought two Egyptian mummies on board. Now standing before him, the clergyman felt certain the dead had come back to life and they were angry at being dismembered and taken away from their homeland. He figured they summoned the storm. As the vessel shook uncontrollably, the priest kissed the crucifix around his neck. He knew that as long as the mummies were on board, their journey was going to be cursed. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. This is our second episode on the Curse of the Pharaohs. In 1922, a team of excavators unearthed King Tutankhamun's tomb. After breaching the burial chamber, those involved with the expedition suffered countless tragedies. Last time, we followed archaeologist Howard Carter and his financier, Lord Carnarvon, as they searched for riches in the Valley of the Kings. 
We also heard about the consequences they faced once they found it. This time, we'll investigate two theories about those who dared enter the tomb. Some believe the ancient Egyptians used sinister magic to punish intruders, but others claim the curse has a logical explanation. And maybe the ancient Egyptians had laced their burial grounds with a deadly poison. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. On February 17, 1923, archaeologist Howard Carter and his financier Lord Carnarvon opened the door to King Tut's burial chamber. It was a day of triumph, one that catapulted the men to international stardom. But in the years after the unveiling, tragedy seemed to follow those involved with the excavation. As stories of death and destruction hit the press, the public wondered if their bad luck was actually the work of King Tut himself. Maybe he was taking revenge from beyond the grave. Which leads us to our first conspiracy theory. The ancient Egyptians cursed their tombs with dark magic. There's a lot of things in this world that are hard to prove, and curses certainly fall under that category. There aren't scientific studies or empirical evidence to sway opinion one way or the other. The only thing we have to go on are anecdotes. But sometimes those anecdotes are so extraordinary they're hard not to believe. And many of them belong to the people who are closely associated with King Tut's tomb. When Lord Carnarvon first visited Egypt in 1903, he knew hardly anything about Egyptology. Before long, he developed a fierce passion for the area of study. Eventually, he put his money where his mouth was and funded the entire King Tut expedition. In the weeks following the tomb's unveiling, Carnarvon went on holiday to Aswan, Egypt. If you remember from part one, he was bit by a mosquito and developed a small scab. The Lord accidentally nicked it while shaving, and the bite grew infected. Carnarvon soon fell ill with a fever and eventually developed pneumonia. Then, a few months after making one of history's biggest discoveries, Lord Carnarvon died. When the public found out, many suggested his death had something to do with King Tut's tomb. Perhaps the pharaoh was angry with him, and he may have had good reason for wanting revenge. The ancient Egyptians believed mummifying the bodies of their loved ones preserved their spirits for eternity. In fact, they believed each person had three different spirits. The Ka, which exists in the living world, the Ak, which exists in the world of the dead, and the Ba, which could travel between both worlds. The mummified body worked as a meeting point for all three. But if someone disturbed or damaged the corpse, the souls could get separated from one another. And if that happened, they would cease to exist entirely. Naturally, the Egyptians tried to protect their tombs at all costs, and they had some creative ways of doing so. One method of discouraging intruders was by filling the passageways with rubble. Much like we heard with Carter and Carnarvon, this made entering the tomb a lot more difficult, but not impossible. Which is why some theorists argue Egyptians may have employed more sinister techniques. Following their discovery, rumors spread about inscriptions found inside King Tut's tomb. 
Even the Washington Post ran headlines about those rumored cryptic messages reading, quote, Cursed be those that disturb the rest of the Pharaoh. But regardless, not everyone heeded that warning. Over the next few years, several men involved with the excavation perished, usually by sickness, a few by fire, and some died by suicide. As you heard in part one, everyone from archaeologist Hugh Evelyn White to Lord Carnarvon's secretary appeared to suffer from King Tut's wrath. A coroner was called in to do an autopsy on Tutankhamun's corpse. That's when the examiner discovered an odd feature on the pharaoh's cheek. It appeared to be a lesion. Some questioned if it was in the same spot on his face where Lord Carnarvon had been bitten by the mosquito. Tutankhamun's death had always been a mystery. But now, people wondered if he'd lost his life in the same way Carnarvon lost his, infection from a mosquito bite. Perhaps Carnarvon had been cursed by Tut's spirit after all, doomed to repeat the same fate. Following that initial string of deaths in the 1920s and 30s, the curse seemingly went dormant. It appeared that King Tutankhamun was satisfied with the amount of victims he'd claimed. But that may have been wishful thinking. Before long, the Hex returned with a fury. Howard Carter and his team spent the decade after opening the tomb cataloging the artifacts inside. Meanwhile, former police officer Richard Adamson claimed he stood guard outside. For seven years, he allegedly protected the excavation site from thieves looking to make off with the precious items. During his supposed time with the excavation team, he claimed he'd heard about his colleagues dying under mysterious circumstances. Still, he never believed in the idea of an evil curse. He even shared his views with the press. Then within a day of his remarks, his wife mysteriously passed away. Adamson didn't comment on her death until 1970, when he gave another interview. He said he was heartbroken, but still denied her death had anything to do with Egyptian magic. Supposedly, on his way home from this interview, Adamson's taxi crashed. He was thrown out of the car, nearly unconscious. When he picked himself up off the ground, he saw a truck careening toward him. He leapt out of the way to safety. A second slower, and he would have been dead. After the incident, Adamson said he may have spoken too soon. He admitted that perhaps a curse did exist. Two years later, others seemed to arrive at the same conclusion. In the early 1970s, administrators from the British Museum in London struck a deal with Egyptian authorities. They wanted to exhibit artifacts from Tutankhamun's burial site. By then, it was well known that misfortune seemed to follow those who came in contact with even just the objects in his burial chamber. But Dr. Gamal Merez, the Egyptian director of antiquities, laughed off the possibility. He told the press that any so-called curse-related deaths had been total coincidences. As the story goes, Merez oversaw the packaging of the artifacts himself before they were transported to England by the Royal Air Force. The next evening, he suffered a fatal heart attack. Despite King Tut's apparent warning from the other side, officials carried on with the transport. They loaded everything onto an RAF plane and made the journey to London. 
Since the artifacts left Egypt, a number of deaths have been claimed in connection to the curse. In 1976, the flight lieutenant supposedly suffered a heart attack. His widow believed he was killed by the curse of Tutankhamun. But museum staff kept importing objects from the tomb on an annual basis. And whenever they did, more questionable disasters seemed to befall those who escorted them, especially if they disrespected the pharaoh. According to one tale, during an artifact transport, the chief technical officer accidentally kicked the box containing King Tut's golden death mask. On his next mission, the ladder snapped underneath him as he disembarked from the plane. He tumbled to the ground and broke his leg, the same leg that had kicked the box. Maybe the most jarring of all is the urban legend of flight engineer Ken Parkinson. Author Mark Bainan claims in his book, London Curse, Murder, Black Magic, and Tutankhamun in the 1920s, Parkinson experienced heart attacks like clockwork every time he transported the artifacts. In 1978, his final heart attack claimed his life. It wasn't until the 20th century that curators and exhibitors seemed to get the message. Many of King Tut's artifacts have been returned to his tomb in the Valley of the Kings, where they remain to this day. Although reports of Tutankhamun's curse have died down, the curse may still be out there. Because as it turns out, he's not the only mummy with an axe to grind. Coming up, the long-reigning history of the curse of the pharaohs. The floorboards creak. The walls, they moan. The house seems vacant, but you're not alone. This October, Parcast invites you to celebrate the spookiness of the Halloween season with all new episodes of Haunted Places. From an infamous murder farm in Indiana to the ghostly tombs and palaces of ancient Egypt, visit the world's most haunted destinations and find out what happens when a soul leaves the body but doesn't leave the grounds. Enjoy new episodes of Haunted Places all month long, free, and only on Spotify. Now, back to the story. The eerie story surrounding Tutankhamun's tomb propelled the pharaoh's curse to infamy, but in actuality, it was nothing new. Apparently, there's a long history of Egyptian spirits wreaking havoc on those who disturb them. According to a story told in a 17th century French text, a Polish man visiting Alexandria, Egypt, smuggled two mummies out of the country. To hide the bodies from authorities, he sliced them into six pieces and stowed them in several small boxes aboard his ship to Europe. One of his fellow passengers was a priest. The clergyman had barely finished his voyage prayer when a horrible storm rocked the boat. According to legend, as the wind and rain lurched the crew across the deck, two ghost-like specters materialized before him. He'd heard whispers about the mummies stashed below, and it was at that moment he realized they clearly weren't happy about their travel plans. The priest and other passengers believed the storm was a warning, a sign of the pharaoh's anger. They begged the Polish man to pitch the boxes overboard. 
At first, he refused. He could sell their body parts at a premium. Besides, he didn't see any ghosts for himself. However, that soon changed. According to the priest, the phantoms vanished for a few moments, then reappeared after he said another prayer. This time, the Polish man saw them too. A wave of terror washed over him as he stared at the unsettling figures. Now it was hard to deny it. He cursed the journey. The man raced to retrieve the boxes and hold them into the sea. As soon as he did, the storm allegedly subsided and the ship made it back to Europe safe and sound. But 200 years later, another vessel wasn't so lucky. The story goes that on April 10th, 1912, an English nobleman loaded a mummy into the storage compartment of a ship headed west. Allegedly, the British Museum was sending the relic to the American Museum of Natural History, on exchange for some dinosaur bones. One of the passengers on board was William T. Stead, an English journalist and spiritualist. Through whispers, Stead learned about the mummy aboard the ship. He was familiar with the curse of the pharaohs and supposedly felt obligated to share his knowledge with the other passengers. After all, anything was possible with a hexed corpse on board. According to some of those in attendance, Stead regaled the other travelers with tales of the curse one night over dinner. He'd heard that the mummy in transit was a 3,000-year-old princess named Amun-Ra. Then his voice dropped to a whisper. Looking around the table, he suggested her body was adorned with more than just jewels. It also contained an amulet with an ominous inscription. It warned that anyone who disturbed her would suffer a gruesome death. In fact, the excavators who'd removed her sarcophagus from its resting place were already six feet under. The group fell to a hush, then just as quickly erupted into laughter, followed by polite applause. They complimented Stead on his charming storytelling skills and finished their meal. But they weren't laughing the following night, because that's when their vessel, the Titanic, hit an iceberg. Seven of the eight people Stead had dined with the previous night allegedly died, including William T. Stead himself. Over 1,500 people total lost their lives during the tragic event, but one object was said to have made it out unscathed. Allegedly, Princess Amun-Ra's coffin was loaded onto a lifeboat and transported back to the British Museum. After the tragedy, the message rang loud and clear to those who believed, don't mess with the ancient Egyptians. Even so, archaeologists forged ahead with their excavations. In the 1970s, British Egyptologist Walter Brian Emery was on a dig in Egypt. He had discovered a handful of mummies and artifacts throughout his career, so he had a system in place. Whenever he came upon a new body, he laid it out on one of the tables near his tent to be examined the following day. One night, while reading by candlelight inside his canopy, Emery heard a rustling. He glanced around the tent, expecting to see a shadow at the very least, but when all he saw was darkness, he returned to his book. Still, the rustling continued, and it seemed to be growing closer. 
Emery squinted towards the opening of his tent and watched in horror as he saw something pulling back the flap, the decrepit hand of a mummy. He was likely convinced the dead had come for him. And yet he summoned his courage and crept outside, then breathed a sigh of relief. It appeared a nearby table had collapsed, taking the mummy down with it. Seemingly, as the body fell to the ground, one of the hands got caught in the opening of the tent. Emery's eyes must have played a trick on him, but maybe he shouldn't have been so quick to dismiss the incident. Sometime after this, Emery was on another dig where he discovered a statue of an Egyptian god named Osiris. Later that night, he returned to his office with the figurine in tow. Supposedly, out of nowhere, Emery cried out in pain and rushed off to the restroom. His assistant found him covered in sweat, trembling over the sink. Emery couldn't speak. Later, doctors discovered the right side of his body had become paralyzed. The following day, Emery died. In ancient Egyptian religion, Osiris was known as the god of the deceased and the master of the afterlife. In many ways, he represented the pharaoh's journey to eternal existence. When Emery took the statue, he may have angered an all-powerful being. There are plenty of stories about people falling ill or even dying after coming into contact with Egyptian artifacts and mummies. Theorists say these tales prove the curse of the pharaohs exists, but we shouldn't believe every story we hear. Take Emery, for example. While it may seem like he triggered the wrath of the ancient Egyptians, there was a more natural explanation. After uncovering the statue of Osiris, Emery had a stroke. Even if he did anger the god by taking the figurine, by no means does it suggest the ancient deity was responsible for his death. There's also the story of Princess Amun-Ra aboard the Titanic. Theorists claim she sank the vessel, an act of revenge for taking her from her tomb. Allegedly, this tale was recounted to the press by a survivor of the Titanic. But as far as we can tell, no mummy was ever recovered from the freezing cold waters of the Atlantic. In fact, there was no mummy on the ship at all. If anything, it was a mummy board, a wooden cover placed over the body in the sarcophagus. But the British Museum has even denied those claims. They insisted the board was on display at the museum the whole time. So it seems like the story may be nothing more than a hoax. Which brings us to our original tale, Lord Carnarvon and the other King Tut excavators. Many theorists point to ominous inscriptions located throughout the tomb. Ones that indicated a curse would befall anyone who dared disrupt it. But scholars say these alleged inscriptions were an example of fake news. According to experts, King Tut's tomb didn't contain any of these seemingly murderous inscriptions. Apparently, they were taken out of context and fabricated by the media to shore up interest in the story. Still, theorists assert Carnarvon's death must have had something to do with the curse. It's especially strange that the medical examiner allegedly found a similar pockmark on King Tut's face. Remember, though, the Lord had been in a serious car accident 20 years before the tomb was discovered. 
Doctors said his immune system was extremely frail, so Carnarvon was especially prone to catching a life-threatening illness from his infected mosquito bite. The mark, if it was really there at all, was certainly coincidental. Even so, this doesn't explain the deaths of all the other members of the expedition. But even those seem to happen by pure chance. For example, Sir Archibald Douglas Reed, the radiologist who died before examining Tutankhamun's corpse, had underlying health concerns. By then, Reed had been exposed to radiation for many years. That's true. It's also believed he had abdominal surgery shortly before testing King Tut. Skeptics argue that his passing was related to complications from the procedure. They suggested his exposure to radiation weakened his immune system and he couldn't pull through. Which brings us to the biggest hole in our theory, Howard Carter. Nobody was more eager to find King Tut than he was. If contact with the pharaoh or his tomb guaranteed an untimely death, then Carter should have been one of the first victims. And yet, the alleged curse never seemed to affect him. He lived for another 16 years after the discovery. Much of that time was spent inside the tomb, cataloging the remaining artifacts. It's difficult to say if an ancient curse was responsible for all the death and destruction that followed, although looking at the numbers could help. Of the 20-some people who were there for the unveiling of the tomb, only six reportedly died. And at the risk of sounding macabre, death is a fate that will eventually meet us all. But maybe Carter was spared because he treated King Tut with respect. He stayed up day and night, carefully combing through the objects inside, preserving them for posterity. Even when he and Carnarvon first came upon the sarcophagus, Carter was worried about intruding. Perhaps the curse only took the lives of those who sought to exploit his remains. That's an interesting point, but I'm not sold on the idea. The stories we've shared are spooky, but many of them come from dubious books and articles, are either thinly sourced or hard to confirm. So on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most believable, I'm going to give this theory a 1. The anecdotes are fascinating, but you're right. There's no way to verify whether they had anything to do with magic. Ultimately, they could all be explained as accidents or natural tragedies. Still, because of how many tales we've heard, I'll go a little bit higher and give this theory a two. One of our issues with this theory is that it can't be proven with science, but our next hypothesis may do just that. Perhaps the ancient Egyptians didn't turn to dark magic to punish intruders. Instead, they may have employed something far more reliable. Poison. Coming up, the toxin in the tomb. Now back to the story. Months after Lord Carnarvon entered King Tutankhamun's tomb, he got blood poisoning from an infected mosquito bite. Before long, he had a fever of over 100 degrees Fahrenheit and developed pneumonia. He died shortly after. Around the world, people speculated his death was the work of Egyptian dark magic, that King Tut was taking revenge on Carnarvon from beyond the grave. But other theorists claimed there was a more logical explanation. Which brings us to our second and final conspiracy theory, 
The Egyptians possibly laced their tombs with toxins that poisoned intruders. Ancient Egyptian burial chambers were filled with all kinds of treasure, from clothing to weapons and, of course, preserved dead bodies. But they also contained objects that didn't age quite as well. Jennifer Wegner, an Egyptologist at the University of Pennsylvania Museum, spoke to National Geographic on this idea. According to her, it's not uncommon to find 3,000-year-old meat, fruit, and vegetables inside the chambers. In the pharaoh's eyes, the dead needed to eat too. After Carter and Carnarvon opened King Tut's tomb, they found 48 cases of beef and poultry alone. Even today, with the help of refrigeration, those items go bad in just a few weeks. In this case, they were kept in a hot tomb for several millennia. We can only imagine the smell they must have emitted. In that time, they likely grew mold, developed bacteria, and attracted all sorts of insects. Recent studies actually identified a bacteria associated with spoiled meat called Pseudomonas in some of these chambers. According to the CDC, Pseudomonas can infiltrate the bloodstream through wounds and open sores. Once inside the body, it causes severe infection to the eyes, ears, skin, and central nervous system. But most critically, it can lead to pneumonia, the same disease that claimed Carnarvon's life. George J. Gould, a wealthy railroad magnate, also visited King Tut's tomb in 1923. He got sick almost immediately after leaving the area and died of pneumonia just a couple months later. One theory is that he and Carnarvon were both exposed to Pseudomonas inside. Aside from the foodborne bacteria, there may have been toxins on King Tut's mummy itself. Additional studies have shown that corpses can develop certain kinds of dangerous mold after decomposition. One of these funguses is called Aspergillus flavus. If inhaled, it can cause bleeding and congestion in the lungs. It's possible King Tut carried this exact mold or one just like it. Some theorists suggest Carnarvon may have inhaled this fungus while inside the chamber. If the mold was in his system at the time of his infected bug bite, it may have weakened his ability to fight it off, leaving him vulnerable to pneumonia. Or he could have contracted pneumonia directly from King Tut himself. Aspergillus niger, another mold sometimes found on corpses, can cause pneumonia on its own, though rarely. Scientists have detected other toxins within sealed sarcophagi, too, including ammonia gas, formaldehyde, and hydrogen sulfide. If Carnarvon inhaled any of those chemicals for too long, they would have caused serious damage, especially to someone with an immunocompromised system like him. Excavators and archaeologists work for hours in small enclosed spaces filled with dust and minerals. According to one expert, there's a joke in the archaeology community. When an archaeologist goes home at night and blows their nose, only dirt comes out. So if there was something dangerous in the air or on Tut's body, it would have almost certainly entered their system. Still, some scientists don't buy this theory. In 2013, a team of researchers studied a few brown spots found in Tutankhamun's tomb. They found the organisms that had created the droplets were once dangerous, but were no longer active. 
In fact, Carnarvon may have been healthier inside the chambers than outside. Skeptics point out that 1920s Egypt, like most countries at the time, didn't have the best sanitation practices in place. The Lord would have been more likely to catch an illness walking through Cairo than in a tomb that had been sealed off for thousands of years. A professor at the University of Hawaii added, in all his years of work, he'd never heard of an archaeologist getting sick from molds in a tomb. Still, those explanations don't account for the food left inside the chambers. Some theorists argue that perhaps the ancient Egyptians knew what they were doing, that the produce was prone to developing toxic molds over time. If someone broke into a tomb, they wouldn't face dark magic, but instead, hidden disease. That seems unlikely, though. According to National Geographic, the ancient Egyptians tried to keep the food fresh for as long as possible. They mummified their items by drying them out with salt and wrapping them in bandages, much like the corpses themselves. By depriving the food of moisture, the Egyptians were likely trying to prevent bacteria, yeast, and mold from growing, not attempting to weaponize it. Researchers conducted additional tests on this theory. They wondered if those who entered really did die at an unusually high rate after exposure, or if it was just a matter of confirmation bias. A report from Monash University's Mark Nelson found 25 people that were likely exposed before the bulk of the work was done in the tomb. On average, they lived to be at least 70 years old. According to experts, that number wasn't much lower than the average lifespan at the time. Even Howard Carter, who only lived to 64, survived for another 17 years after entering the tomb. Nobody worked in the chambers more than Carter, yet he seemed completely unaffected by the alleged toxins. That's true, and in the decades after the tomb was opened, only six excavators passed away. Skeptics might argue that if the tomb were poisoned, that number would have been much higher, and it likely would have taken their lives much sooner. I definitely agree that at one point, there were dangerous toxins present in King Tut's tomb, but I certainly don't think the ancient Egyptians planted them there to do harm. It seems that their intentions were just to feed themselves in the afterlife, not use them as a deadly weapon against marauders. And while Lord Carnarvon did develop pneumonia shortly after entering the tomb, we can easily attribute that to his infected bug bite, or to his suppressed immune system. Exactly. We don't have any evidence that Carnarvon picked up his illness inside the burial chamber. Like we mentioned, Egypt wasn't the safest place for someone like Carnarvon. I think it's just a coincidence that he got pneumonia shortly after the expedition. However, I do find this theory more probable than a malevolent curse, which is why I'm going to give it a two. You're probably right. While there's some research that supports this theory, many studies refute the notion that tombs are harmful to be inside. After all, most of the excavators from the King Tut mission lived to be over 70 years old. Still, because of the presence of mold and bacteria found in the chambers, I'll go with the three. Today, King Tutankhamun's remains are exactly where they are intended to be, on display at his tomb in the Valley of the Kings. At this point, his mummy is likely too delicate to move to a museum. Or perhaps officials have finally learned their lesson. 
Disturbing the dead can be a dangerous game. And sometimes the biggest threats are the ones we don't see coming. Thanks for tuning in to this episode from The Mummy's Curse, brought to you by Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from Parcast. To experience more episodes from The Mummy's Curse, be sure to listen to our other shows, Unexplained Mysteries, Rituals, Haunted Places, and Unsolved Murders. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. For more information on the Curse of the Pharaohs, amongst the many sources we used, we found Nicholas Reeves' book, The Complete Tutankhamun, extremely helpful to our research. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Nick Johnson, Trent Williamson, and Carly Madden. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Alex Bernard, edited by Natalie Pertsovsky and Lori Gottlieb, fact-checked by Kevin Johnson, researched by Bradley Klein, and produced by Bruce Kotovich. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. Carter Roy.